You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, September 7th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about She-Hulk, Episode 3, The People vs. Emil Blonsky. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, how you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, we're both going to be at D23 Expo. Yeah. Which begins on Friday. Yeah. Here in California. So uh, we're actually not going to have any other podcasts this week unless some <laughs> some big news breaks and then maybe Ryan will do a podcast. But uh, but we will be back Monday with don't you uh, don't you miss the old days when we had time to record podcasts I on, know. on the fly at events like this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll be back Monday to talk about all the 
the stuff at D23 because there's going to be tons of announcements and tons of stuff they're showing at the big panels. They've already announced they're not allowing cameras or phones into those those panels and it's not being streamed online. So I'm sure they're going to show us some stuff that's not even going to be online. Well, for sure. Yeah. So uh, so look out for Monday's episode. And also next week, we'll be doing two episodes of She-Hulk. Uh, this is actually She-Hulk episode three, which came out last week. I, I know things are confusing here. It's last one daily. I apologize. But uh, we, we'll we will catch up, uh, I guess, next week. But OK, uh, She-Hulk episode three, the people versus Emil Bonsky. Actually, before we get into that, we do have a letter and feedback. This one's from Mike from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. And he says, I've been watching She-Hulk on Disney Plus and I'm, I'm actually been enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. The CGI definitely fluctuates, but something about how it leans on the comedic predictability and cohesiveness feels like a throwback to 90s sitcoms. That and the main star is really a charismatic actor. In episode two, when Bruce tells Jennifer that his fight with the abomination was so long ago that he's a completely different person now, quote, literally, I chuckled out loud to myself and had to explain to my wife that when he fought Tim Ross' abomination in 2008 movie, the Hulk was played by Edward Norton. And I thought you guys would mention it, mention the joke, and unless I missed it, it wasn't brought up. Fun fact, Mark Ruffalo actually added the literally to that line, and they left it in. Uh, this is something I actually didn't even think about when I saw last week's episode. Yeah, you know, we uh, we had discussed it, and I I remembered it like in the moment when we were watching, uh, and then I just kind of <laughs> forgot to bring it up because we we actually wrote a story about it and everything on, on Slash Film. So yeah, uh, that is a great joke, though. I like that a it lot. Is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's get into our brief thoughts on episode three. Brad, what did you think of this episode? Uh, my issues with the show still remain, even though this episode is fairly entertaining. Uh, it leans into the more procedural side of the series of having like a new case seat each week. Uh, you know, this one focusing on a character we saw a long time ago in the MCU and uh, continuing to flesh him out as far as like what this character has been up to now and like where he's at. Uh, there's clearly going to be more to this character as uh, time goes on. And I'm sure that it'll become part of the larger overarching plot in this series, but yeah, I know the comedy just isn't as strong to me. Like, no matter how good Tatiana Maslany is, like, there's just something about it that, like, 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 like that person who said in feedback that it feels like a throwback to '90s sitcoms, and like it does, but not necessarily in like the best way. Like, it doesn't feel like it's doing it in a way that is self-aware enough to realize that the comedy probably should be better if they're gonna try and like lean into this kind of style. I, like, the the meta part of the series doesn't feel like uh, it's worthy of being called clever and like it's not clever enough to justify its existence something else i think i said before when we talked about the fourth wall stuff so yeah i don't know i'm not in love with she hulk i don't think it's bad uh the cgi can be distracting um but you know there's like it's not an irredeemably bad show it's sometimes it's just it's just frustrating because it feels like they've they've cut some corners or maybe just needed some more time to to bake in the oven i don't know yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you and everything that you said. I, I feel like they're doing two different things here. They're obviously doing this throwback to, you know, a procedural law show. And they're also trying to do the superhero show as well. And I feel like neither of them are being done in 
an elevated way. And then like, I don't know, it just, it just, both of them don't feel like they're being done well enough. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. said, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's just not, uh, great. And I, I will say that, uh, you know, the thing I, I do, do tend to like about the show is, is the thing I usually hate about the Marvel movies. And that is when they like shoehorn in these like Marvel jokes, like referencing the Marvel cinematic universe or other characters or have these little like fun cameos, which you, I don't know. I usually like grown at that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, a lot of the times, but I feel like in this show, it's the highlight of the show for me, uh, which is kind of strange. And I will say as much as I didn't like the fourth wall breakingness of the previous episodes, this show, this episode, I think actually had some pretty solid like meta ness to it. But um, we can, we can talk about that when that, when that comes. Uh, so let's I, did, I think, I think my, my biggest problem with those, those winks and nods is like, it's almost a little, <laughs> too cheeky i guess you know like it's like like it's a kind of thing where it's always like oh hey i know that or oh they said something that i'm familiar with and it like kind of co- tries yeah. to cover up the flaws that the show has it's just like oh as long as they keep mentioning things that i like then i i like it <laughs> i see this is exactly how i feel like when it shows up in like the eternals or or you know anything like when the characters are having a discussion about the avengers and I always like feel that way, but for some reason in the show, it's done in a more f- playful way. I don't know. I should hate it, Brad. I don't. I don't know why I don't hate <laughs> it. But, but okay, let's get into the breakdown. So Emil Blonsky explains to Jennifer that he was forced to leave his cell by Wong, the Sorcerer Supreme, and now Jennifer needs to find Wong to confirm this and stuff. Uh, and uh, I should mention that. Blonsky has a QR code on his prison uniform, but it's not the QR code that brings you to a free comic. It's just, I guess, prisoners in the super maximum security prison all have QR codes because you you couldn't tell them apart unless you scan them with your phone, Brad. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, so they pull up a LinkedIn profile for Wong, which is pretty funny because they share one connection, Bruce Banner. And aside from uh, listing Sorcerer Supreme and Librarian and his employment history, apparently he worked at Target as a sales associate for nine years in Nepal before that. Is that is that now Marvel canon, Brad? It would seem to be. I would love to have Wong as my sales associate in, in Target. What, what section do you think he worked in? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> probably, yeah, I don't know. Pro- probably the the media section. Media section. Electronics. Yeah. yeah, you can never find anybody in the media section. The you part. really, you really can't. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we we uh, we pr- probably have like the only breaking the fourth wall moment that I've really enjoyed so far, with Jennifer explaining to the audience that her show isn't a ca- isn't Cameo City and. Uh, then she, while she's explaining this, she kind of realizes that that's exactly what it is. What did you think of this whole bit? You know, it's, I'll admit that it's amusing, but it still feels like the kind of joke where like they're making excuses for themselves for making all these references and having these things in the show. And they're like, well, if we acknowledge it, then like they can't criticize us for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that argument. There's also another side of this is like when she breaks the fourth wall, she like takes her hands off the wheel and like the car's still driving. 
are, are we supposed to like take complete? I mean, she's breaking the fourth wall. I understand what breaking the fourth wall means, but it kind of like breaks the reality of the show a little bit that like she she's not getting in a car accident because she's not driving anymore. I don't know. Like I feel like she should still be driving and talking to us. Is that a silly thing to be annoyed at? No, I think that, I think that's fair. I think that there's there has to be like some kind of logistical grounds for the fourth wall breaking to make to make sense, even even if it it itself isn't a logical you know fantastical element of the show. Yeah, I feel like her not driving for some reason, like to me and my like the back of my mind is like, oh, there's no stakes. This is all fake, even though I already know that. But like seeing it in the show itself, it like reinforces that which makes me like maybe not i don't know i, I guess I'm, I'm being ridiculous i know i'm being ridiculous you don't have to write it in. i know i'm being ridiculous. okay anyways uh just remember uh who the show is actually about and then cut to the she hulk go go i do like that so far and i have not seen the fourth episode i know you have so far they're making a bit out of the reveal of the she hulk go go every episode yeah it is funny yeah, that, I, I like that. I is there another show on television that does that? I, I can't think of one. Mm, not that, not that does it with the the title, but like there have been. I've seen some comedies where they've uh, done like a joke that makes some kind of allusion to like the timing of the end credits or like a name oh, yeah. in the in the end credits as soon as the end credits begin or something like that. Typically on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we have a news report, uh, a bunch of news reports on She-Hulk representing Abomination. And there's a scroll on the bottom of the screen that says, Superpowered influencer Titania is confident her legal team will, quote, make it go away. I don't know. They keep on talking about Titania in the background of the show, Brad, almost like she's going to show up later on at some N- point. Nah, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> the, okay. Uh, the the funniest thing about this montage of news clips, or maybe it's the saddest thing, uh, is there's a profile on men who are upset about She-Hulk, and uh, which is something that happened in the, when the comics first came out, and also, uh, you know, when the show first came out, it's it's kind of like a meta commentary on the commentary on on itself, and. It's funny or maybe even sad how the showrunners knew that they would be getting the reaction from this like toxic subset of superhero fans. Oh, of course. What are, what are your thoughts on this Yeah, whole? Yeah, it's, it's an, uh, a nice meta little reference and it makes perfect sense. And it, it's, it's sad that it's so accurate, you know, that they knew that it was going to happen. There was like hashtag He-Hulk. Yeah. Team He-Hulk. <laughs> oh, <laughs> speaking of um, uh, real quick, since we mentioned Titania is... Uh, Marvel has been doing some cool, like, uh, kind of viral marketing. I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, but, like, uh, I think it was last week, uh, they had uh, Jamila Jamil actually, like, go out um, on the streets of L.A., like, to one of, you know how, like, they always have those uh, construction walls set up, and, like, there's always movie posters and music posters plastered all over them to promote stuff. By the way, have you seen the She-Hulk banner advertising? It, like, looks like it's for a... A lawyer and it's like call one eight yeah yeah hundred she hulk i don't know it's really well done so they so they had jamila jamil go go out and I, I think one of those posters was actually one of the ones that was on the wall and she in full titania like wardrobe 
went and like spray painted her name Titania all over the wall and on the posters and stuff like that. And like they have these videos of her just acting uh, like a total asshole and like giving the middle finger to the camera and just like ragging on She-Hulk. <laughs> I did see that. That is very funny, but it's also very weird because so far in the show, it's been three episodes and she literally showed up for like five seconds at the end of the first episode and was like taking out. Like really, I don't know. It, it almost seemed like she, if if we didn't know that her character was going to come back later, and we didn't obviously know the the actress who plays her is you know a big actress who wouldn't play a bit player. Like it would be we- weird to see them promoting Titania to promote the show, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently, so do you think she's going to be like the the main antagonist? Um, I, you know, I, I feel like they're probably building to something, uh, I don't know, something bigger, maybe. I mean, like, she's, she's definitely going to be one of the key forces to be reckoned with. Um, but I think that there's probably something more complex at play other than just this, like, conflict between her and Titania. Hmm. Maybe she's going to be jealous that She-Hulk is taking away, like, the spotlight because she's, like, a super influencer, right? She wants... I don't know. That's probably not it because that's not, that would be stupid. Um, okay. So She-Hulk doesn't care about the press and she doesn't want to respond. She has no interest in responding. And this is kind of like actually the story arc for this for her character in this episode is like her learning to uh, embrace the press and embrace her story. Um, what did you think of that arc in this episode? Uh, you know, it's it feels like it's treading similar territory that like was already kind of like covered in like the previous episodes. Like I feel like they're kind of like repeating like a similar arc of like her accepting like who she is and like what she has to do, you know, yeah. with, with her life now. So I, I hope that they find new territory to go into because otherwise it feels like they're kind of just treading water. Yeah. It's also annoying because every character in the show is like you should probably just talk to the press. And she's like, no, I have no interest. And then at the end, like there's a character that's like, you should talk to the press. And she's like, Oh, good idea. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, I feel like we're, I feel like it sounds like I'm being super harsh in the show, more harsh than, uh, I, I am enjoying it, but there is some things that really, I really don't like about the show so far. Uh, so Jennifer's former boyfriend, is she, is he her former boyfriend? I thought, they said that right dennis bukowski Wh- which character is this the da guy that um is being represented by her firm the the, the, oh, the, the oh the douchebag douchebag yeah oh i don't think i don't think so <laughs> okay for some reason i thought i i had written that down in my notes but now i'm starting to second, second guess it because and i do my notes like the first time around and i'm like why would she have ever gone out with him? Yeah, I, I, I think maybe, maybe there was a mention of like maybe they went out like on a single date or something like that. But then oh. she found out he was a douchebag. But I honestly, I don't remember because um, it's it's been a little while since I've seen the episodes too, so I don't remember that specific detail. Brad, it, it shouldn't take a smart person like Jennifer <laughs> even a date to figure out that he's a douchebag. I feel like five seconds after meeting him, you'd be like, oh. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, her firm is representing him, and Dennis doesn't want her representing him. 
Uh, it doesn't seem like Jennifer is interested in it either. And uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like you are right. This show is trying. It wants people to watch the show and be like, oh, isn't the show clever? But then at the same time, it has this like sexist pig character who like feels so on the nose. Yeah, it's it's super two dimensional and like super over the top. Yeah. And I feel like there's there's ways of doing it that would be clever and fun. But it's just like there's nothing to that character whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Dennis was defrauded by his ex-girlfriend who just happens to be a shape-shifting white elf from New Asgard who pretended to be Megan the Stallion. By the way, have we ever seen a white elf before? I know we've seen the dark elves in um, Thor, the dark world. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't believe so. Yeah. Um, Brad, it might not surprise you at all to learn that I had no idea who Megan the Stallion was. Peter. And assumed that she was a Marvel deep dive character. And when I Googled <laughs> her... I was surprised to learn that she was actually a top 10 billboard rapper slash songwriter. What a treat for you. Yeah. Megan Thee Stallion's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know anything about pop culture, uh, that, that, uh, the, the music world, I should say. Uh, but anyways, apparently she's, she's big. Yes. Very big, very popular. Uh, and, and she's good. Is, is there a song I would know by her, Brad? Um. Well, gosh, because you like you always listen to podcasts and stuff when you're in the car. So like, you're not really yeah. listening to the radio, are you? No, but I feel like you know, like I know the weekend because I hear it in TikToks and stuff. I don't know. I just feel like I I know some music culture. I don't know. Okay, maybe maybe it's just outside of my, my yeah bubble. you you might like know the song like if you if you heard it but like if i said the title like you probably wouldn't be like oh yeah i know that song <laughs> but but like but she's pretty popular so and her song songs have been in movies and tv shows and all that jazz so yeah uh and i'm probably the only person out of all the people listening to this that probably didn't know who she was so <laughs> i will say that okay hearing the name megan the stallion that does sound like an old like stanley name right I mean, like, you know it, how uh, yeah. like he made like 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 character names. Do you know what I mean like I I never thought about it like that, but just because I've always known she is like a rapper with that name. But okay. you're absolutely right. <laughs> just just saying. Yeah. Okay. Like so, even the hunter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I did love seeing She Hulk so amused by this whole situation of like uh, Dennis being defrauded by. Someone who he thought was Megan the Stallion, but it turned out to just be this sheep shifting elf. Um, which, by the way, also, I wanted to bring this up, Brad. Why did they decide to go with a sheep shifting elf when we've already established in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that there's scrolls that can change into things? Well, I would imagine that the idea of scrolls maybe isn't commonly known among the public yet yeah but with asgard there are already uh, there's already an array of fantasy species and characters that would be known to the public and so plus i'm betting if they do something with the scrolls here it could potentially mess with like whatever happens with them in secret invasion and stuff like that so for sure okay uh so wong makes makes an entrance to a portal and he confirms bonsky's story and 
Um, this is one of those moments where I was talking about where it's like kind of Marvel references and I, I usually don't like, but I hear with Wong with like uh, the memory erasure joke and the dimension jokes and, and part of it, I get it, Brad. Part of it is like by putting that memory erasure joke there, it's like a way of dismissing like what like Marvel nerds who are watching the show are like, why doesn't Wong just make everybody forget? You know, like right. it, by making it a joke and acknowledging it, you can like step past it. Yeah. But, but I thought it was fun. It wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. Okay. Um, he agrees to appeal, appear at the trial. And now Pug is in charge of Dennis Bukowski's case. By the way, Dennis Bukowski is like the DA. So I'm assuming this is going to be a character that will continue to be a regular on the show. And um, his case, uh, and he comes off as like a total, this guy comes off as a total tool. I mean, he's a tool. That's that's what his character is. Yeah, like irredeemably so. What did you think? At least so far. Yeah. What did you think of... um, this is the first episode where it's kind of like it has an A and B story and the B story doesn't feel very connected at all to the A story. Yeah. And it's also not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he leaves and Pug watches uh, this YouTube video of Megan the Stallion's uh, imposter. And this is where you'll actually find the QR code to get your free comic. So if you uh, go to that scene, you can scan it. Um, and uh, Bukowski comes back in and shockingly says he's dropping the case. Uh, but Pug gets a call from the real Bukowski complaining about his cyber tr- or yeah, cyber truck being towed. And it's revealed that the person in the office is actually the shape-shifting elf. After all, I thought this was fun, but stupid. Yes. Yeah. Stupid fun. Uh, Jennifer is mobbed by reporters when she arrives at the prison parole board hearing and there's a great joke where someone yells, is it true you were rejected by the Avengers? And then cuts to another reporter reporting <laughs> that as a rumor. Uh, Brad, do you think the showrunners, A, are trying to make commentary on the current state of journalism, or B, might be make, trying to make a, a statement on the journal journalism around particularly like Marvel projects and how like, you know, some actor says something as a joke or whatever, and it becomes a rumor, you know, like how, how that whole thing kind of like spirals out of control. Probably both. I mean, cause they go okay. kind of hand in hand and yeah, it, it would, it's, it's a, a, a cheeky little joke. Yeah. Uh, Blonsky soulmates are in attendance at the hearing. I didn't even bring this up last week brad because i thought it was a bad throwaway joke but turns out the showrunners thought that this was a good idea to continue in the show what do you what do you think of his um his soulmates i mean i guess i'm wondering you know if there if there's if it's anything that actually matters if it like comes into play you know sometime later or if it's just like an amusing thing that they're like oh yeah let's do this i don't, I don't know yeah and they're all like dressed in like white and have flowers in their hair they look like a cult. Um, so Wong is late to the hearing, even though Jennifer jokes that uh, he has no commute time. And uh, Blonsky speaks to the parole board. And uh, I'm just loving like Tim Roth's performance here in the series. 
he's just like so I don't know I I almost want an abomination TV series now after seeing him uh, I'm not sure what that would be but uh are you are you enjoying Tim yeah I mean Tim Roth's a great actor he's always gonna do great work with even the most you know minimal amount of material so yeah and, and I, I just like seeing him with this kind of character too just kind of uh casual laid back like yeah whatever <laughs> Yeah, so a bunch of people speak to Blonsky's character from the prison. It's kind of a montage. I don't think I have anything really said about this, but did you have any thoughts? Nah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Wong finally shows up and explains the situation, and Blonsky demonstrates that he is in full control of becoming Abomination and controlling him, his powers, uh, which the, patrol, the <laughs> parole board... Uh, their main concern was like, you know, him getting out of control again. And Wong leaves after they bring up uh, that he facilitated a prisoner to escape. And that is a crime, which I wanted to ask you, Brad, is this just a joke or will this continue? Will she have to represent Wong now that he's admitted to breaking someone out of prison? I mean, that would make sense. I guess my question is whether or not they have the, capabilities to get someone like Wong to like to show up or to (laughs) incarcerate him or anything like that like obviously it's a prison that's meant for you know those kinds of characters but Wong being the Sorcerer Supreme kind of has you know power on another level probably yeah I agree with that as well um and I also like the little bit of like slow humor with her like going over to the desk and fixing the the microphone that had fallen over uh, just like the awkward, there was a good beat of, of comedy there. Um, meanwhile, they were trying to argue that the sheep shifting elf has diplomatic immunity. Uh, but the judge says that that's not the case. And also that Thor's inspirational speech is not admissible <laughs> in court. Uh, you, you had to like, at least like this, this reference, this joke, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course it was, it was definitely a clever one. I will say, though, Brad, Thor didn't make the speech. It was Odin and Heimdall that made the speech. Um, So the judge is wrong. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, uh, I do love the idea of a court case between a shapeshifter swindler and someone who, like, believed she was someone else. Like, this uh, this is a court trial that I feel like you could only see in the MCU. And I, I, that part of this procedural court kind of stuff makes me, uh, I don't know if excited is the word, but uh, hopeful that yeah. there'll be more kind of fun stuff like this in the future. Yeah. Cause I, I do like the idea of dealing with the concept of superheroes and the ramifications of their abilities and like the battles with villains and things like that and what they, how they would be perceived and dealt with in the real world. You know, like I, like the idea of stuff like the Sokovia Accords and like the government trying to turn, uh, you know, superheroes into, you know, their their own agents and things like that. Like this is all stuff that would happen in the real world. And so like there is something that's like also amusing and interesting about thinking about this in such a realistic uh, way and figuring out exactly how certain things would play out in the real world if these characters actually did exist in it. Yes, and uh, and here the mission to the, uh, the motion to dismiss is denied, and the case is going to trial. And Dennis is canceling his Hollywood hookup subscription. Uh, Audible groan, and uh, she's <laughs> shape shifting to impersonate the impersonate the judge 
in order to try to dismiss it and is caught. And um, yeah, that comes back later. So while leaving the prison, uh, prison, Jennifer is again mobbed by the news media. Uh, one of the reporters asks about a rumor that she got her powers from a mafia hit gone wrong, which I think we mentioned two episodes ago, uh, is a reference to the comic book origins of the character. Mm-hmm. Because comic books always have like these convoluted origin stories, and it makes so much more sense that she just got her, uh, got Bruce's blood, like in some kind of accident. But yeah, anyways, um, a protester has defaced her car with, quote, monster defending a monster and she's reminded uh that like this she's hopeful that this will all go away once like the trial's over but um in her 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 friend is like you know just do one interview if you do the interview uh you know that will help control the narrative and maybe you know this will go away she's still not interested because she's stubborn and doesn't want to talk to the um why do you think she like doesn't want to talk to the media so much i think she's just over it she doesn't want to be like thrust into the spotlight and always you know having yeah. to put on this face of like being a hero even if that's what she has to be you know just it's the same reason like celebs don't always want to talk to you know tmz and all that shit following them around yeah i think it's also even though we've had two episodes of her kind of embracing that she is she hulk she still kind of doesn't want to be She-Hulk. Or do you know what I mean? Like she's still kind of. I think she's still figuring it out. Like yeah. there, there are still like things that she's not quite used to and doesn't want to confront. Yeah. Um, so she believes things will get back to normal after the, the case is gone from the media's eye. But that's obviously not going to be the case. Pug shows up at the bar and Jennifer breaks the fourth wall again to point out that they're connecting the A and B story. Uh how clever was it in them connecting the A and the B story in a bar with the character from the B story having a drink with the A story characters? Not very. <laughs> How clever is it that they pointed out that that was clever? Not very. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jennifer is put on the stand in the Bukowski case and basically describes him as a disgusting human being who is delusional enough to believe that he was dating Megan the Stallion and um, would they actually really allow someone from the same law firm to give testimony? That seems like a conflict of interest. Uh, that's a good point, actually. I hadn't th- thought of that. But they they don't work together anymore, though, do they? No, they don't work together. But, like, she works – she's an employee of the firm that's defending him. Or not defending him, uh, representing him. I don't know. It just seems like a conflict of interest for, for her to be a character witness for the case that like her firm is pushing to try to get the you know one hundred seventy five thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems weird. Anyways, the, it doesn't matter. Anyways, the judge rolls in Bukowski's favor for one hundred seventy five thousand dollars, and she also gets sixty days in jail for impersonating a judge. And uh, it turns out Megan the Stallion is an actual person and not a Marvel character and is in attendance in the courtroom. And um, D- Dennis comments that he wishes there were a way they could remove the, the elf's shape-shifting powers so she couldn't victimize anyone else again. And Jennifer has an idea. 
what is the idea? I, I, I'm a little confused here. Is, is this something we don't learn in this episode? Is something we're going to learn later on? I mean, I, I wouldn't want to spoil it for you, but like, I mean, I, okay, but it's it's not in this episode though, right? I I don't think so. Okay, okay, because I I she had she was like I have an idea or something like that, and like walked off screen, and then like nothing happened, and I was like so confused. So I I think it must be in the next episode. Either that or I'm completely stupid, which, as evidenced by the Megan the Stallion thing, could be the case. Anyways, uh, back to back at the prison, the parole board grants Blonsky a further, or no, a release under the conditions that he could never turn into abomination ever again. And he's actually required to wear a prohibitor in order to do so. And uh, she tells him to stay out of the news. And he gives her some sage advice. Uh, they're going to write a story about us anyways. Better be part of it. Better to be part of it. So what she's been avoiding this whole time, she now is like, okay, I'm going to speak to the media. She does an interview uh, with the media talking about the She-Hulk name and where she got it. And, uh, you know, after the commercial, they'll, they're going to talk to her about her diet and exercise secrets, which... Um, Reminds me of two things, Brad. I wanted to hear your thoughts on this. The, the diet and exercise here. It could just be a bad joke. It could just be a joke. Um, but uh, number one, I used to go to these junkets when I first uh, started Slash Film. I'd go to to Hollywood and go to these junkets. And they, I would participate in these roundtable interviews where um, you get grouped with a bunch of other journalists. And the actors from the movies would go like table to table and give like 15 minutes and you, you would maybe get like one or two questions then. And back then, like 15 years ago, this is a long time. I would sometimes be grouped in these round tables with like people from, I don't even know what magazines that, you know, the, the magazines, like when you're in the grocery store and you're checking out and it's like the tabloidy yeah. kind of magazines. And like, they would ask like, you know, the latest actress about their, like, you know, dieting secrets. And I always felt like so weird being at the table, like with someone asking like these weirdly personal, like, like you know, who are you dating? Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't think that happens anymore, but um, maybe it does. So I was reminded of that with the, the, the um, diet and exercising series. And I'm also reminded of Scarlett Johansson. who uh, Didn't she like go on a rant? About she kept on like getting asked that in interviews. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Do you th do you think it's a reference to that, or do you think it's just a joke? It could be. I mean, I I think it could be a reference to it and a joke because I, that I think you know that is something that's still you know is still talked about. There's still you yeah. know health magazines out there, especially when it comes to the superheroes, because they have to be on such a, a you know a strict workout regimen and diets <laughs> to maintain you know their their physique and stuff like that. So it's still definitely something that gets talked about out there and everything. And so, and of course, if you have someone who's in the spotlight, you know, in, in you know, the yeah. world of pop culture and, you know, they're going to be asked about that because they're, they're a superhero. So of course people want to know about that. But they only ask the women that is the, is the thing. It's true. It's true. Well, I mean, like there's, I think the, like 
when it comes to like those kinds of interviews, I think the women get asked about it a lot more. But like, yeah, yeah, people like Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans and Dwayne Johnson, they like they're always on like the cover of Men's Health and stuff like that, and asked about like their workout and their their diet and stuff too. But it's just it's not quite it's not done quite in the same way, and it's usually done in a way that's like uh, I don't know, a very artificial kind of way yeah. too. Yeah, I feel like the, the way they're asked it is like, you know, how did you prepare for that role? Like, you know, how did you bulk up? Like, you know, it's not done in a – it's not the same way. Yeah. Um. Anyways, okay, so walking home, Jennifer is attacked by a bunch of men who have what she describes, I think, as Asgardian weapons. Um, And I know that in there, the, this group is a group of villains from the comics called the Wrecking Crew – uh, they are primarily Thor antagonists. I don't really know much else about them. Uh, I, I kind of thought this action sequence was, was a bit lame. What, what did you think? Yeah, it feels low budget. It feels silly. This feels like something that would be like in one of Marvel's one shots, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one of them tries to put a needle in her arm, but she has, uh, like, by that time, she had already turned to She-Hulk and the needle breaks and couldn't pierce her green skin. So obviously they're out to get her blood. Yeah. Which I think was something that was teased in the first episode when um didn't Hulk disintegrate? Oh yeah, he was doing experiments on her blood. Yeah, and he destroyed it. Yeah, and he, he was like, nobody can get in, you know, we need to destroy this because we don't want anybody to get uh a hold of these. So that's obviously set up for this. So so if someone wants her blood, we can speculate on that a little bit later. Uh the final shot is her picking up her the folders that she dropped uh, during the fight and then she sees her She-Hulk reflection in the car um, and then it cuts to the credits uh, and then there's an end credit scene. What, what did you think of the end credit scene? <laughs> you tell me what you thought of the end credit scene, Peter. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's 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 She-Hulk and Megan the Stallion uh, Megan the Stallion signing papers in her office and then they dance, or I guess what the what the kids call twerking, and uh, I don't know. This is this is maybe is this the weirdest Marvel end credit scene of all time? Yeah, prob probably probably. <laughs> what I, I haven't even like paid attention to the reaction online. What has the reaction been to the scene? Do you know? Uh, I mean, a lot of people have been mocking it. They think it's it's silly, um, you know. But like it's. Uh, it's funny to see the behind the scenes stuff too of seeing Tatiana Maslany do do this in like her motion capture um, gear as well, and you know how that all works. It's but yeah, uh, you know, it's I can see why it's amusing for some people. For me, the, this this just feels like it's like one step into like it's into being too silly, you know? Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. It just feels too silly. Um, not that speculating about. If Steve Rogers had sex isn't silly already, but this feels, you know, a couple more steps sillier. Um, but yeah. Okay, let's get into speculation. Uh, why do they want her blood and who are they working for? I mean, the reason that they want her blood is is simple. I'm sure someone thinks that they can use her blood to get their own Hulk you know, power, superpowers. It's exactly what happened with uh, Abomination. You know, they thought that they could turn uh, Blonsky into this uh, Hulk kind of style super soldier um, and 
we saw, saw what happened there. And so I'm sure someone wants it, whether it's for uh, noble or nefarious purposes, most likely nefarious, considering they sent the wrecking crew to get the blood. Um, but yeah, it's, it's obvious that yeah. the blood is meant to turn more people into superheroes or supervillains, more likely. I'm trying to figure out how Titania figures into this because she's already superpowered. So I don't think she would want the blood. Well, Peter, I will tell you that you'll you'll see Titania in episode four, and whether or not okay. it ties into that, uh, you'll you'll understand a little bit more about exactly what's going to be going on with her. Fair enough. Um, is there anything else to speculate? We didn't see Bruce in this episode, so he's still away on his space mission whatever he's doing yeah um yeah i don't know uh i it's strange because after the first like episode i was kind of like i don't know what this show is gonna be like you know what the format of the show is gonna be then after the second episode i was like oh okay it's gonna go into the like the case of the week kind of thing and then this episode was a case of the week kind of I guess it was two cases in one week, yeah. an A case and a B case. And now I'm not sure that I want the case of the week. <laughs> Does that make any sense? I mean, yeah, I like I I wouldn't I don't mind it so much, but like I've yet to see it used to like I don't know, it's it's potential yet. Like I feel like if the show was going to be really clever, like you would use like and, and it's it'll probably reach this point, but it would use the case of the week to like use obscure marvel characters for for comedic value and like actually make a real you know legal comedy out of it and like i don't know maybe, maybe it's just because the quality of the comedy hasn't been so good and uh you know it's it's still early i guess you know this is only the third episode and so this potentially could still turn into that there's plenty more episodes for us to see but i just yeah i don't know i, I hope it becomes um j- just a little bit better i just feel like it needs to be a better version of what it's already trying to do and honestly maybe i should cut a little bit more slack because like my philosophy overall when it comes to comedies is that comedies especially really need time to find their groove and figure out what they're trying to do like if you go watch the first season uh of the office remake like it's a carbon copy of the british version and they had yet to figure out an identity of their own and it took them Uh, into the second season to really get a grasp on what they wanted the u.s version of the office to be and then the second and third season are like some of the best comedy television you know you'll ever see Uh, and it was the same thing with parks and recreation parks and recreation had a fairly rough first season it was also short took them some time to to figure out exactly how they wanted the dynamic of their characters to work and and things like that and so comedies take time uh to really hone and get get the right balance before they fall into a groove and i think maybe my expectations are a little bit higher just because Marvel has such a good track record. But since this is something different for them, maybe they just need time to like really figure out exactly, you know, what, what works. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel bad that we're, I don't know. I I feel bad that I'm being so negative on this podcast because usually when we're podcasting for the most part, we've enjoyed uh, the shows. That we, we've been yeah. podcasting about. It's, it's not even that I'm not enjoying it either. Yeah. Like, you know, when I watched the episodes, like I wasn't sitting there hating it or, you know, uh, bored and like criticizing it every turn. There, there are plenty of things to nitpick and criticize, yeah. but it is still a fairly amusing, you know, entertaining show. And that's not me trying to make excuses, you know, because I, I, I like Marvel or anything like that. There's plenty of things I'll come right out and say that I don't like that, that Marvel has done. 
um you know but like it's just it's just dealing with the show as it comes and and what the problems are and you know hoping that it it, it finds its its groove because you want different things to work you want them yeah. to be able to expand into new territories and have it still you know fit into the mcu but be something that feels you know that shakes things up a little bit yeah no i i agree with that like it, this would be a show even if we weren't podcasting i would still watch would i be watching it the night it comes out i think you might have said this last week i'm not sure yeah. if i'd be rushing to to watch it on the night that it comes out um I just feel like when you have shows like WandaVision, I don't know. I just don't feel like it's in the same level of shows that the Marvel's been doing so far. But I, I the, the reason why I feel bad is not because I feel bad for not liking the show. It's I, I know that there's probably a lot of people listening to this podcast who really enjoy the show more than us. Um, uh, and like there's nothing I hate more than like listening to someone complain about something i like yeah but hey so, if you enjoy it feel free no one yeah. no one's gonna like tell you that you're wrong for enjoying it yeah. you know yeah, yeah. it's just you know we're coming from a, a slightly different different place and you know different strokes for different folks and especially comedy you know comedy is tough to work for such a broad audience and so what works for some may not work for for others you know and that's that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes yeah yeah for sure Okay, Brad, I'll see you tomorrow or the next day when you're in L.A. Yeah. And and we'll all get together on the podcast on Monday to talk about all the D23 happenings, all the fun fun times. And um, do, do you have any big predictions? Do I have any big predictions? For D23, like any surprises that you want to predict? Um, Any surprises I want to predict? Wow. Um, Do you think we'll learn any other new Marvel? At Comic-Con, we learned a ton of new Marvel movies. We learned two new phases. I don't know if they'll announce any new titles. If, If they announce anything, part of me thinks that maybe they'll just like maybe officially announce things that like we are expecting, like maybe like a second season of Ms. Marvel or uh, a sequel to Shang-Chi or Deadpool three or, or something like that. Um, but I don't think we're going to get anything, any major surprises. Cause I feel like well, a- after they've announced everything, almost everything up through Avengers, you know, Kang dynasty and secret wars, I don't know what else, you know, you would announce that would be a big deal. And I think that the what the spots that they've kept blank are probably blank for a reason because maybe like they have to wait a little longer before they reveal what those titles are whether it's for spoilers or because of stuff that's in the you know other movies and and whatnot um so but i do, yeah Go do ahead. you think we're too far out to learn who's going to be in fantastic four i do think that that's something that they might announce because if they were already you know because the news came out that matt shackman is directing fantastic four i i wouldn't be surprised if casting wasn't too far uh, behind as far as announcement. And so like, I think that it's a probably, it's probably a safe bet that they announce, they confirm that Matt Shackman's directing fantastic four and maybe bring out the cast. Yeah. Fair enough. And uh, Lucasfilm, do you think we're going to get any new star Wars news? I don't think so. Well, well at least as far as movies, I mean, uh, I feel like they're still playing things really close to to the vest. You know, I think I think that Vanity Fair profile that came out a while back before Star Wars Celebration really keyed us into how how careful they're being about putting too much out there too soon, and they really want to get their ducks in a row for the movies before they start making uh, any big announcements. But I'm sure there'll be plenty of uh, TV stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. 
And uh, I'm sure we'll see our first uh, Avatar, like an act- like. I mean, I guess we saw the trailer for Avatar too, but we'll, we'll yeah, see there's, some got, there's got to be more. There's got to be more footage. Exciting, exciting times. Uh, but uh, if you're not there at D23, if you're at D23 and you see either Brad or I, say hi. Uh, but if you're not at D23, we'll see you on Monday, and we'll talk. We'll tell you all the the stuff that's happening. And if you don't want to wait until then, uh, I hear there's a website on the internet called SlashFilm.com. That will be writing all about all about it. I mean, Brad, it, it, I guess you're you're there for that, right? Uh, I, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I might just go screw around. <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, so check out slashfilm.com for your updates on Friday and Saturday. I think are the big two days because on Friday it's all the Walt Disney Picture stuff mm-hmm. in in animation, and then on Saturday it's Marvel. Lucasfilm and Fox. Well, 20th Century Studios. Oh, yes. <laughs> Why is it not Fox anymore, Brad? Well, <laughs> I, I don't know if you heard, but... Uh... Yes, I get, <laughs> I get it. I get it. I just don't understand why it's called 20th Century Studios. We're not even in 20th Century anymore. What the heck? Okay, anyways, uh, you can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. Or, no, sorry, we'll see you on Monday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get everything for your next project today at Menards and save big money. Keep your walls and trim protected while you paint with Scotch Blue Painter's Tape. It's designed for use on multiple surfaces and can be removed easily without leaving residue behind. Save big on Scotch Blue Painter's Tape from Menards. Also, view our weekly flyer on Menards.com and check out all of our great deals happening this week. Save big money at Menards.